Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! Is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, June 21st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are ranking anything and everything. Who is the best wide receiver on this team? Plus, I'll rate the NFL starting quarterbacks from 32 all the way down to the best for the 2018 season. And I'll update you guys on the fan favorite World Cup of Dolphins. Also, how do the Dolphins measure up against division rival New York and which veterans on the roster are on the bubble for the Dolphins entering camp? All of that and much more. But first, I kindly invite you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review once you guys are there. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockdownFans. And check out the daily blog on LockdownDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Lockdown Network. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And for those of you that are new, I am Travis Wingfield. Been writing for this team for a long time, been podcasting for a couple of years now, and plan on doing it for as long as I possibly can. And we thank all of the audience for subscribing to the podcast and making this show a possibility to continue on down the road. Let's go ahead and talk about some Dolphins football. And get it cranked up on first down. That's another Miami Dolphins. And nothing really spells out the fact that it is summer in the NFL. Like the fact that we are starting off with a news item that involves a uniform color for the week six opponent. That's right. The Chicago Bears come to Miami in October. And they are going to wear their orange tops, their alternate tops, to try to beat the heat the best they can. And to me, that signals that they are already, the Dolphins' home field advantage is already in the Bears' head. Obviously, that's something you're going to do to take advantage of the fact that the weather is going to be against you. But it just plays into the fact that the Dolphins have more home games in September, October this year than they have in years past. No more London game. Hopefully, the hurricane thing doesn't happen for obvious reasons with the football team and for you guys all staying safe down there in South Florida. But the Bears made that announcement. I wonder if the Titans will go with the light blue tops over their dark blue tops. The Raiders come to town and they have only the black ones to wear. So these teams are going to have a reality check in terms of how they prepare themselves in the offseason to deal with this Miami humidity. Because Tennessee, you can't replicate it there. I know it's hot in the south there, but it's not South Florida humidity. The Oakland Raiders in the Bay Area, that place is gorgeous in terms of temperature this time of year, but it's not going to prepare you to play football in South Florida. The Chicago Bears, again, humid in the in the Midwest, but once again, not that South Florida heat. The Detroit Lions, an indoor team, same situation in the Midwest. Dolphins have a great chance to really apply the home field advantage early on this year, and the Bears are already showing the first chink in the armor, going to wear the orange tops in that Week 6 game, and that's something worth keeping an eye on as the season goes along. All right, shifting gears, if you guys are following me on Twitter, as you should be doing your homework, I have been posting the World Cup of Dolphins fan favorite bracket. Got down from 32 players down to four already. Did it in less than a week, so take that World Cup. And we have an offensive championship game and a defensive championship game before we vote on the ultimate Dolphins fan favorite. And right now, it's it's 
like much of the bracket has been, it's been a landslide. Cameron Wake holding down the defensive championship belt with 260 votes so far. He has 82% of those votes. Ryan Tannehill of the 288 offensive side votes, he has 77%. So like I said, pretty much on a crash course for Ryan Tannehill, Cam Wake. Cam Wake is the deserving one there, but Ryan Tannehill has a really good following and fan base on the old Dolphins Twitter. So I expect him to challenge for that job and possibly take down Cameron Wake, who has been the ultimate jet killer in his career. And speaking of the Jets, I there is this growing contingency or growing thought or whatever you want to call it that the Jets and Bills have somehow overtaken the Dolphins in the hierarchy of the AFC East. And the Bills, I get it, you're coming off the playoff year, even though the 9-7 record was a miraculous, miraculously lucky run. I, I mean, the game against the Colts in the snow, playing the Dolphins twice when they put up put their backups in the second time around. Jay Cutler having no interest in being there the first time around. That's neither here nor there. They have regressed in so many ways. They got rid of the only guy that was responsible for beating the Dolphins year after year in Tyrod Taylor. They still have LaShawn McCoy, but there's no more Richie Incognito, Eric Wood. The point is they've gotten a lot worse on offense, and a lot of pundits and experts out there don't know how the Bills are going to score any points. And you go over to New York, and like I said, the Bills won nine games. They got to the playoffs. They beat us twice. I can understand that thinking at least a little bit. I can understand the overall idea of where that comes from but for the Jets is it because you won five games in a year where you were supposed to go 0-16 is this roster suddenly better than the 0-16 roster you had before sure there are some improvements on defense I think Jamal Adams is a superstar safety and going to be a very good player we've had my buddy Kyle Smith on the program before a big time Jets fan very cool guy despite the fact he's a Jets fan he wasn't a big fan of Marcus May. They brought in Tremaine Johnson to play cornerback. He's one of the best corners in the NFL to go along with Morris Claiborne. But their slot position is still uncertain with Buster Screen, who was abused in Miami last year. The linebackers are atrocious, a total train wreck. Deron Lee was the worst graded inside linebacker on Pro Football Focus, and Kyle Smith can back that up as well. They don't have anyone that represents any modicum of a pass rush on that team. Leonard Williams is a very good defensive end, a potential all-pro defensive end for a 3-4 defensive line in the future. But without Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson, he hasn't had a chance to really shine. I think he will do that this year. But outside of him, you've got Steve McClendon, a huge nose tackle that eats up a lot of space and defends the run. But other than that, where is the talent coming from on this defensive front seven? I just don't see it at all. You go over to the offense. The offensive line has band-aids that were not they were not repaired this offseason. You still have Brandon Shell, who is Cameron Wake's personal whipping boy. Brian Winters is not a very good right guard. They replaced their center in Wesley Johnson with Spencer Long. Don't know much about him. But they'll have to get acclimated early on. The the backfield, Isaiah Crowell's all right, I suppose. Bilal Powell's all right. Elijah McGuire, whatever. Receivers-wise, Jermaine Curse was a joke in Seattle. He's a, a halfway decent player, I suppose. But I wouldn't even say he's a top 50 wide receiver. They brought in Terrell Pryor, who's on his third team in three years. They have Quincy Anunwa coming back from injury. Robbie Anderson can, gets more arrests than he does win football games. So... I don't see it there. At quarterback, I absolutely love Josh McCown for what he is, a veteran journeyman that can kind of hold the seat warm for a year or two or come in as a backup in a pinch. But Teddy Bridgewater's the other guy there. I don't know if they're going to play him. Sam Darnold's there. We'll see if they play him. It's a convoluted mess back at quarterback, and it looks better, much better, much, much, much better, don't get me wrong, than what they've had in the past with Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. 
but it's not enough to make the rest of this roster play better. And I just don't understand how this team is anywhere near close to what the Dolphins are. The Dolphins have them beat at every single position. They are deeper. They are more talented. They're going to be better coached. It just blows my mind. So that's been my thought the last couple of days as I'm getting caught up on all these other teams around the league, the Dolphins schedule. We're going to have more on the Know the Enemy series. By the time you guys hear this podcast, the Tennessee Titans piece should be up. Tons and tons of of nuggets of info in there, film study, tendencies, how the Dolphins can attack them, snap count projections, all the stuff you guys want to know about the Dolphins' opponents will be on the Know the Enemy series. Titans should be up live by the time you guys hear this podcast. Jets coming soon. We're going to have more on that. We're going to have more on this podcast, including who are the best wide receivers on this football team. We're going to once and for all separate them one through five. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I saw a great tweet from our friend John Ledyard, who runs the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, asking about who are the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and it got me thinking about ranking them 32 down to number one. We're going to do that on the next segment, but this segment, we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins wide receivers. As someone asked me on Twitter, how would I separate this group of wide receivers? Who is the best one? Who is actually the best one out of the five? Because you have a list of basically hockey line changes, as Akeem Spence described it during his press availability. Same case going to be for the wide receivers. They love 11 personnel. They're going to run 12 personnel. They're going to run 13 personnel. And the one wide receiver that will be impervious to coming out of the game for more than a snap at a time is going to be Kenny Stills. He has ran that 13 personnel as the point man, the one wide receiver in this offense when Jarvis Landry was here. So he is a guy they definitely rely on and love him. He is the most, not not one of. He is the most efficient deep ball receiver in the NFL since he came into the league. And that goes back to playing with Drew Brees, obviously a tremendous deep ball thrower. Ryan Tannehill, another very good deep ball thrower. You heard me on that. That's accurate. Look up the numbers, look up the stats, look up the film. It's all there for you. And he's done it with Jay Cutler and Matt Moore. He made big plays with Matt Moore last year. He is unselfish. He runs these clear out routes that get guys open and free things up. Everything he does looks the same from a technical standpoint. He offers absolutely nothing after the catch. He'll drop a pass here or there, but he is so technically proficient, reliable, and he's fast as hell. He's a big play waiting to happen. Kenny Stills, hands down the best receiver on this team. And for my money, the best receiver in the AFC East. Number two, here's the first surprise for you guys. I'm going Jakeem Grant. This is a classic example of small sample size theater, but if you look at his yards per target, and if you want to look at a stat that tells you which receivers are the best, go to yards per target because you're going to find Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, A.J. Green. You're going to see all those guys atop that list. And who is right in that mix of those guys? It's Jakeem Grant. He's the one guy that doesn't belong in that list. He can get vertical. He can turn guys around on two-way goes. It's absolutely embarrassing watching guys try to cover him man up in the slot with a two-way go. He can take a screenplay 60 yards to the house. We saw that last year. I think this is the year people take notice on Jakeem Grant. Might take a while to get more fully acclimated into the offense, but he's going to be a playmaker. He's going to make some big-time plays for this team, the second-best receiver on the roster. Number three for me is going to be Albert Wilson. He was vastly underutilized in Kansas City. He does the things you'd ask Jarvis Landry to do in this offense, just with a lot less volume. He only had one less broken tackle last year, despite being targeted 100 fewer times than Jarvis Landry. He is speedy. He is shifty. He is scheme adept. He was praised by the coaches in Kansas City for acclimating to the complex Andy Reid scheme that requires side adjustments and so much that receivers have to do to put themselves in position to succeed. I think Albert Wilson will come in and have a very nice year at the number three receiver. The fourth best receiver, I'm going Danny Amendola here. 
He's the least talented of the bunch, but he's a leader. He will always be where he's supposed to be. He catches everything you throw at him, moves the chains on short yardage, on third and fourth and short, whatever it is. And he conveys the message of the quarterback and the coach to the rest of the wide receiver room. And there's some value to that. A guy that can come in and direct things and get guys doing things the way they're supposed to. And number five, my good old pal, Devontae Parker, the fifth best receiver on the Dolphins. Look, guys, I know I'm hard on the guy, but I'm all about off-season prep and proving that you're not the guy that is so easily distracted by SpongeBob SquarePants or your Snapchat or Twitter feeds and Googling your name or searching your name on Twitter, I should say. You're not the guy that misses multiple games a year with nagging injuries. You're not that guy that I've seen completely erased in one-on-one matchups down in the red zone. Look, he has all the physical traits you could want. And yes, he did draw the opposition's number one corner as much as any wide receiver in the NFL. A crazy stat. Pro Football Focus provides that one for you guys. You can look it up. And you can see the place for him on this team. If he can get this group of traits together, I think he can be a dynamic option in this offense. I just haven't seen it yet, so that's why I'm not banking on it. But that group of traits is the boundary receiver, which is the one guy slotted closest to the quarterback, nearest to the hash mark on typically the left side of the field is where you'll see him run over there. Devontae Parker, from that position against one-on-one coverage, can work on the back shoulder game, the vertical game, and his inside release for slants and in-breaking routes. If he can do that, he will absolutely feast in this offense as the boundary X. But until I see it, I'm not going to count on it. So those are your receivers. Stills, Grant, Wilson, Amendola, Parker, and... There is a long list of guys vying for the potential sixth wide receiver spot on this roster should they keep six guys. And among those players is Leonte Carew, and he tops the list of my very next topic, veterans on the roster bubble heading into camp. And this is actually a lot tougher than it has been in recent years because the Dolphins roster has been more top heavy and not as well spread out. But this year it's very deep and it's clear to see where a lot of these roster decisions will wind up going. But I'm going to pick five anyway. And these guys, these names aren't going to jump off this page. You're like, wow, that guy's a surprise cut. I just don't think there are any surprise cuts on the roster this year. So the first one up, Leonte Carew, once again, that's a tough wide receiver room to crack. He hasn't got on the field, hasn't had much of a chance, but he also hasn't seized the minimal opportunities that he has had. I just don't see any way he gets back, especially after missing all of camp or many camps with the knee injury. So he's gone for me or a bubble guy for sure, possibly going to be gone. Brock Osweiler, I think he's completely gone. He's terrible. He's been a bad quarterback for a long time. Don't even want to go any more into it than that. He's bad. Next up, Isaac Asiata. Jesse Davis took his job. That was Asiata was supposed to be what Jesse Davis was last year coming over from the Seahawks practice squad or the Jets practice squad via the Seahawks practice squad. Asiata was a raw product, very physically powerful and just not really technically sound. Never got it together. Couldn't get into the game in that week 17 game against the Bills. He gone as well. Cameron Malvo, the defensive end. I don't want to put him on this list because I actually like what he did last year in his first year with the Dolphins. But Andre Branch's presence on the roster makes me fear that he might have a chance to get cut down if someone like Quincy Redmond, Claudio Matthew, Jonathan Woodyard, one of those undrafted free agents, if one of those guys really rises up, I think Cameron Malvo would be the one to go. And then linebacker Mike Hole, simply for the fact that he does not fit the direction this position is going on this defense. They went with Stephon Anthony, Terrence Garvin, Jerome Baker, Raquan McMillan coming back, Mike McRae, Cason Collins. These guys are all athletes that can move and play at a high speed and high level. He doesn't fit that mold. So he's a special teams guy, going to have to make the roster that way, but he has an uphill climb to make that linebacker group. So Leontay Carew, Brock Osweiler, Isaac Asiata, Cameron Malvo, and Mike Hole, guys that should be on the lookout for their jobs 
Come August, we have one more segment here, and I'm going to talk about the NFL quarterbacks, number 32 through number one, for who I would take for the 2018 season. Next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, it's at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fins. This segment came about because our good buddy John Ledyard over at the Locked On NFL Draft podcast asked about who you would put below Joe Flacco in terms of worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And his list was very short. He couldn't even think of more than a couple names outside of Blake Bortles, whoever the Buffalo Bills quarterback is, that type of thing. And so I wanted to make a list on that. And then I just kept getting further further and further into it. And now here I am and I have ranked all quarterbacks from 32 through number one. And this is for their 2018 production for who I think is going to be the most efficient and the most productive quarterback for their team in this particular year, not for going forward beyond 2018, not what they did in the past, what's going to happen this year. And it starts off with a curveball because I've said it before, I think his career is over. I don't think he's ever going to be the same. And if he is... If he does get himself back onto the field, he won't be the same player. So I'm going with Andrew Luck at 32 because I don't think he's going to play. I, I, they keep on talking about him throwing the Duke and throwing the ball. He's, I don't think he's going to play. So if he doesn't play, he can't be out there. And whoever his backup is, well, it's Jacoby Brissett, I guess. He would be higher up than 32, but I think they're going to try to play Luck and it's going to look bad. Whatever it's going to, Whatever's going to happen, I'm just going to put him there kind of outside looking in. So I guess we're really done with 31 quarterbacks instead of 32. Number 31 is Nathan Peterman. I didn't like him out of college. I didn't like him when he threw five picks against the Chargers. We'll leave him there. Blake Bortles played good in that Steelers game, played good in that Patriots game in the playoffs. Pretty strange to have that, but he was really more a a function of Nathaniel Hackett's play calling in that game, using his legs a lot more. And I just don't think that his mechanics equal a good quarterback in this league. He's still pretty terrible. Joe Flacco, 29, very lazy mechanics. The fadeaway throw that Jay Cutler did last year, that is Joe Flacco's bread and butter. He is beyond terrible still. Mitch Trubisky, number 28, the Bears quarterback. I like his upside. I just don't see it yet. He was basically an option type of quarterback last year. Going to have to see more from Matt Nagy with him in that Chicago Bears offense. Number 27, Eli Manning has been dreadful for years, but continues to get a pass because he has a couple of Super Bowl rings that he won 10 and what, six, seven years ago now. He's a terrible quarterback. Watch his film. Odell Beckham is the only reason they ever had any offense the last two years. And when he went out, you saw what that offense was really all about. Number 26, Josh McCown played well last year for the Jets as well as he could. Had some late game meltdowns and got injured to end the year. He is a very high prospect to be injured every single year, but he could checks in at number 26 here. Number 25, Case Keenum had a horseshoe stuck up his ass all year last year. There's a reason Mike Zimmer wanted to replace him multiple times but couldn't do it because he didn't have healthy quarterbacks behind him and Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater he goes to Denver changing schemes losing Stephon Diggs and and Adam Thielen and that running game not going to work out for him there number 24 Tyrod Taylor he still can't throw a short intermediate he can beat you with his legs he can throw deep but he's a very incomplete quarterback he is risk adverse so he climbs up the list a little bit to 24 number 23 Andy Dalton Without A.J. Green, his game falls off. He makes so many mistakes where you're just like, what the hell are you doing? So he checks in at 23. And another guy that does the exact same thing, number 22, Jameis Winston, those bone-headed, just absolutely crippling mistakes he makes. People want to put him in the top 15, whatever it is. He just hasn't been that good. I know he was drafted number one overall. Not a very good player. And I, I like the guy a lot. I like what he was at Florida State. I thought he would be a star. Hasn't worked out that way. Number 21, Sam Bradford. He would be a lot higher if I thought he could stay healthy. I do not. He is a very accurate, very proficient quarterback. Number 20, Patrick Mahomes. I expect him to climb up this list after the season. I just can't put him up there higher until I see him do it. And adapting to Andy Reid's offense could be tough. Even though Andy Reid is so good at getting quarterbacks to play well, it could take him 
him a game or two, or, or I guess I should say a month or two to get acclimated. Jared Goff, I thought he was a product of the system last year. He has the big arm. He played a lot better than he did his rookie year, but I just think that he was had more to do. The offense had more to do with Todd Gurley and Sean McVay than it did Jared Goff. Marcus Mariota, more interceptions than touchdowns. I know he was banged up. He makes a lot of bad decisions. His mechanics get sloppy at times. Not a big fan of his inside the top 15. Derek Carr had one monster year where he, and I've talked about it a million times. I wrote about it on 3rd10.com, my quarterback website. They basically ran all verticals, and with that awesome offensive line, he would either chuck it up to a 50-50 ball, which Crabtree and Cooper and even Seth Roberts would always bring down, or just chuck it down to the running back for easy yards. He's not a very good quarterback in terms of what the NFL is. Dak Prescott, number 16, steps way back after I had him rated very highly last year. Jimmy Garoppolo, number 15. I love him. I've always loved him. Thought he was a great player. Just want to see him play for more than five or six games. Deshaun Watson, number 14. I wasn't high on him coming out because he made a lot of mistakes at Clemson. His mechanics were bad the balls to the perimeter were not good but he was dazzling as a rookie despite the fact that he turned the ball over a lot and had some garbage time numbers and the ACL also bumps him down number 13 Alex Smith the number one rated passer in the NFL last year gets traded he plays a very safe close to the vest type of game even though he did does make a lot more plays than folks give him credit for he checks in at number 13 Kirk Cousins number 12 again a very smart and cerebral quarterback that is always going to get guys in the right position he's a very good leader going to get them into the right play more often than not and accurate for the most part as well Number 11, Cam Newton for his transcendence as what he does as a runner. He still hasn't had a good receiver in Carolina since, I don't know, even before Kelvin, when Kelvin Benjamin got hurt in the Super Bowl year, his best receiver was basically Teddy Ginn. So those guys still can't separate for him. It's a very tough offense for Newton to orchestrate because it's just not a lot of talent there. This one's going to give me a lot of flack. I know that. Ben Roethlisberger, number 10. I think he's been minimized in that offense. They run a lot of screen, a lot of short game, get the ball out of his hands and don't let him do too much. And why wouldn't you? You have Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster. The skill list goes on and on and on, but he has been minimized and just isn't quite the same quarterback he used to be. Number nine, Phillip Rivers. I think it's. I think this is Rivers' year. I think the Chargers are going to really shine. He has a phenomenal complement of skill players on that offense, but he still makes the big decisions or the big mistakes late in games that you just can't have. But that release and the way the ball comes out on time is so nice and smooth number eight Ryan Tannehill of course our boy I am so high on this guy this year the offense built for him super accurate can beat you with his legs can throw the football down the field he has a chip on his shoulder and he plays his best football when that's the case number seven Matt Stafford gets a lot of crap but he is an amazing wizard with the football throwing from all kinds of different angles can really chuck the ball around a lot Carson Wentz number six would be higher if not for the knee injury but I'm just not sure where he'll be coming off of a December ACL tear he was tremendous last year particularly on third down number five Five, Matt Ryan. He is a surgeon of that Atlanta offense. So precise and so accurate. I just love watching him play and manipulate defenses. I'm going to start predicting the decline for Tom Brady this year just because I feel like maybe he's not as engaged as he has been in the past. I'm probably wrong. I We're always wrong about this, but I'm going to predict that he falls back to the number four quarterback in 2018, aside from number one, which is where he usually is. Number three, Russell Wilson is the entire Seattle offense. He makes some bad choices here and there. He, they get a lot of three and outs, takes a lot of sacks, but Russell Wilson is an entire team. Number two, Drew Brees is so phenomenal, so good, has been for so long, and doesn't really get the credit he deserves 
deserves. Number one, Aaron Rodgers coming back off the injury is going to take vengeance on the league this year, and I envy those that play him as we are one of those teams in Week 10. We travel to Green Bay to face the Packers. So there you have it, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, my top five. Ryan Tannehill checks in at number eight. I have a glut of players, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes. They all check in from 20 to 16, and the bottom five are Andrew Luck, who I don't consider part of the the practice here. Nathan Peterman, Blake Bortles, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, and Eli Manning. So those are my quarterback ranks. Hit me up on Twitter. Tell me how wrong I am, how badly I got that ranking system down. Let me know on that. And the wide receivers exercise I did earlier talking about our own guys. But that is going to do it for the podcast today. You guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFans. And follow our flagship show at LockedOnNFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out the number one rated blog in the LockedOn Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the LockedOn Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Thank you.